The eyes of the nation, the eyes of the world are on Knoxville, Tennessee, Harbin. Um, probably not for the reasons that we wanted, but nonetheless, they are. This is a section YY8 podcast, Negative Niece, coming to you from my virtual studios uh, here in Strawberry Plains. Harbin is coming to you from his virtual studios, also in Strawberry Plains, Big Montana is working tonight. He couldn't make the emergency pod and Day Day Vol. Um, must be installing Biden internet because he says he's having internet issues uh, tonight with some new internet. So uh, prayers to Day Day as he uh, works on his Biden internet up there in Morristown. Well, here's my theory. Uh, since bowling works so much, maybe we can get bowling to buy Day Day some better internet. And then True. it's a win everybody you know big montana said if he wraps up this account this was a few weeks ago that he'll be the new sponsor of the uh section yy8 tailgate in the c8 parking lot wow we'll see we'll hold him to it at least yeah because we definitely need a sponsor or at least for the show so we don't have to do uh 40 minute zooms and and wait 10 minutes to log back in Actually, may have found us Harbin a, a better way. I'm working on it. I don't know if it'll work or not, but I may have some news on that on our end soon. But I digress. So we're going to break this up into two segments. If you don't want to hear about the NCAA issues that uh, came out yesterday, then skip ahead probably around 40 minutes or so, and we'll talk about basketball in segment number two. Um, but we're going to lead off today's show with the big news that came out yesterday that um, it's an investigation. It's not a uh, no charges or I, I don't know how else to say it. I don't think they file charges in these situations. But nonetheless, the NCAA is apparently looking into some NIL, quote unquote, infractions that Tennessee may have committed sometime in the past year or two, seems to be, I think USA Today uh, reported earlier today that it it sounds to like it might be involving Nico Iamaliava. I hope I said that right. If I didn't, oh well. Um, Harbin, we'll get into the meat of this in just a minute, but what's your initial thoughts? I didn't know what to think when I heard this yesterday because I didn't – know about it for a little while um and i heard about it i think when i was eating lunch uh so that i don't go to lunch till one o'clock every day so it was a little bit later in the afternoon before i heard about all this but i kind of laughed at it at first because i didn't think it was real and the more i read into it the more i was like they're really doing this the ncaa they are really doing this but what was what was your thoughts uh, when you first heard about it yesterday? Uh, it was kind of the same as you because uh, known Tennessee hater and overall loser, Pat Forty, was the one that put it out there. And I think he dreams of Tennessee's demise. Oh, absolutely he does. I think that's all he wants out of his poor and miserable life, uh, which is fine. I mean, everybody's got to have goals and aspirations. Everybody's got uh, their thing, right? 
yeah, everybody's got their thing they're into, and um, that seems to be his. So, you know, whatever. Um, obviously, it picked up a little bit of steam, and uh, it is legit. Um, however, it's going to be really fun, and I think, I think college football fans as a whole are going to unite around this and with Tennessee because this could be the slow-burning beginning of the end for the NCAA, like, like the official – beginning of the end if ten if the state of tennessee and the commonwealth of virginia do win this which i thought that was awesome yeah i did not expect the state of virginia to join in on this and i i, I haven't been able to read much into it this afternoon i don't know why they've stepped into the middle of this but I, i'm interested to find out why virginia felt the need to get involved with it i'm happy they are but uh that was kind of a uh out of a nowhere, out of nowhere moment um, earlier this afternoon when that came out. Um, so basically, what's going on is for those that have been under a rock the last couple of days and don't know, um, it came out yesterday on Tuesday that Tennessee is under investigation for uh, for NIL infractions. Um, a records were request was immediately. Re accepted which they don't have they have like 60 days in a in an open records request tennessee didn't hesitate to put this out but i believe a letter was sent on monday to the ncaa ncaa from chancellor donde plowman of the university of tennessee knoxville where she says quote the ncaa is morally wrong for alleging that ut broke rules involving nil benefits for athletes um, she, she goes on to say the implications of the NCAA enforcement staff's approach to date goes beyond just our institution, but also may harm many more student athletes who have done nothing wrong, all based on the administrative disputes of adults. This is a letter to the NCAA president, Charlie Baker. She goes on to say this is morally wrong and undermines the credibility of the NCAA stated interest of acting on or acting in the best interest of student athletes. Um, she actually goes on to say um, in one part of this letter to Charlie Baker, he testified in front of Congress a few months ago and, and basically told Congress who is a failing organization themselves is one failing organization talking to another failing organization, NCAA United States Congress. And he basically said he wants to have more dialogue, more open discussion, more meetings with member institutions to try to fix the problems that are going on. We talked about some of the problems on here a few episodes ago, and a lot of football coaches this this bowl this past bowl season really went on some rants about how the NIL is is out of control right now, and it is. And she goes on to say in this letter to President Baker that he said this in these congressional hearings to Congress that he wants to be more open, wants to have meetings and discuss this stuff. They requested a meeting, herself and Athletics Director Danny White, and it was denied to discuss this very topic. So not only did they deny the request, they go on to you know, previously say Tennessee was an institution of exemplary um, 
I don't know how to say it. They did what they were supposed to do as far as reporting their infractions, dealing with the infractions under the Jeremy Pruitt regime. And not just six months later, they're telling us how awful we are and in, in, in no sense in terms about it. But I just I don't understand. I, I really I haven't got to read a whole lot into this. I've just seen the letter that that the chancellor sent. It came out here on Wednesday. Uh, Governor Bill Lee uh, has come out uh, in support of Tennessee. Uh, Senator Burchett, all these congressmen, not Senator Burchett, um, Congressman Burchett. Um, a lot of political players are, are coming out in this. I think this is a lot. I wonder if this is a lot bigger than the NCAA anticipated it being with all these people coming out, two states tag teaming um to come against them possibly more on the way i mean that's that's the thing to me is the nca did the ncaa think that it was going to get the comeback the backlash that it's getting right now on top of that college athletics and college football especially has always had a ton of money circulating within it with it whether it be tv deals uh ticket sales what have you well when the NCAA decided to sign off on NIL, that introduced a whole new level of even more money. So you've got these big name players for all these universities across the country throwing a lot of their money to get these recruits. And you want to say, like, like the quarterback from Florida, they cracked down on that a week ago, but they laid off on it because he decommitted. Like so, it's not just the Tennessee thing. It's like all these all these people that are throwing money into it. They're going to be pissed off if like these players become ineligible because like because the NCAA keeps moving the goalposts and making new rules every three or four months. And that is where I think a lot of this is picking up steam because one, I mean, yeah, like everybody hates the NCAA, but if you get a lot of these big time play big time people, for lack of a better term, that are throwing a lot of their money in it, they've got more where that came from. And they're gonna and they're gonna play their part in taking down the NCAA. So no, I don't think they knew what they were signing up for with this. So she did say uh, it would have been my preference to discuss my concerns with you in person. Uh, Plowman said to Baker in the email, "Your recent testimony before Congress indicated you wanted to meet with as many member institutions and student athletes as possible to discuss issues associated with college sports." I'm sharing my perspective in writing since my December request for you to meet with me and our athletics director, Danny White, was denied. Um, I, I don't... The NCAA instituted some rules concerning NIL, I think, about 18 months ago. And I think they, at the time, said they were going to go back and retroactively enforce some of these rules against that. I don't understand how that's even possible. I just don't not. I'm uh, not a lawyer. <laughs> but uh, I don't understand how that's how that that can be right. So Josh Pate summed this up pretty perfectly. Uh for those that don't know who Josh Pate is, uh college football analyst has his own show podcast. If you don't, you need to listen to him. I think he's best in the business when it comes to solely college football. Um, but he worked construction before he all, before he did all this. And he said, okay, 
it's like imagine you're walking up to a job site you know and like you've got this set of things to do over here this set of things to do over here and you have the certain rules and regulations you have to follow for each portion of the job he said so for, for the first couple of weeks you do those exactly how you're supposed to do well two weeks later they say hey actually you need to do it this way we've already done it this way so you do the rest of the job to the new rules okay so and then you go a few more weeks you finish the job and then on the day that you finish the job you're like hey well we've actually implicated this rule today so this building is no longer up to specs and it's like well we followed the rules up until you change them every single time he said that's the exact same thing that's going on with University of Tennessee right now. Um, but but he he also said he was like he's like with as much shit that the University of Tennessee was in when Plowman and Danny White got their jobs. He said unless they're stupid, and he said I know they're not. He said I guarantee that they're going by the book. He said because they don't want to get thrown into an even worse hole than they were when they got their job. And he said they've already fairly much so done an exceptional job of digging this program out from where it was, you know? And he was like, he's like, this is like a, like a seven or eight year job. And he's like, they've done it in three years, you know? So I thought it, I, obviously that's paraphrased and his version's way better. Uh, there's a clip <laughs> circulating, but that is the gist of what he said. Yeah, uh, listener of the show, John Doty, I hope he doesn't mind me reading uh, a text he sent our group earlier uh, today. But he says, you quote, can't change the rules and then apply them retroactively. This is what I tell my children and Democrats regularly. <laughs> I think the NCAA is a bunch of Democrats, to be honest. And also, um, apparently, part of, the, part of the investigation is that we allegedly used a private jet to fly out Nico. For recruitment well there was also a video a that clemson's official football account put on twitter three years two and a half years ago and it was a cade mays funny enough and uh somebody yeah. else and they were in a private jet or not a jet it was a smaller plane private plane flying over clemson's campus and deb i was like hey you see our facilities like that's us that's us everybody's like where's the where's the blow up for this you know there's like yep. four there's like four recruits on the plane. Yeah. In you an know? airplane. In an airplane. Video's going. And he I saw that earlier today. I, I had never seen that video before until this afternoon. But um I think it I think it's pretty rich that some Alabama fans on Twitter are, you know, chiming in on this about a supposed uh private plane flight with Nico. And then somebody, I can't remember who it was, posted about four different pictures of four different Alabama athletes, specifically football players with standing in front of their brand new Dodge chargers. So, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's rich coming from that fan base. Um, uh, but, but however, there have been a good amount of Alabama fans that have been on our there side. Have. There so, have. I and think that's what I'm like eventually, like it's just going to be college football fans as a whole are going to unite behind this. And Tennessee, think... you're not going to be the only two. In this lawsuit, I think other states and universities are going to take our side and join in with us. I think, yeah, you're right. I think, um, 
I think you're going to see because college football fans know that what happens here with Tennessee if it goes bad, you know, say the NCAA wins and gets their way, it could be bad for others. I don't think it's just Tennessee. I mean, can you imagine what's going on? It, I know Florida State's already been but been busted for some stuff a few weeks ago. Florida's in the middle of an investigation right now. Now Tennessee. I mean, you're kidding yourself, or you're you're blind if you don't think other college football programs in the same elk as Tennessee are doing the same things. Um, but the problem is, is there's no college football has no guidance right now. They have no one to steer the ship. They have no quote unquote commissioner to help set the tone. It, it's just it's like a rudderless ship. It's just going all over the place and. I don't know what the answer is. I haven't been able to sit around and think about it much. I've got, I've got issues of my own to think about and try to figure out, you know, in, in my professional life. And I can't sit around and think about what the NCAA should do, but they've got to figure, I don't know if it's even the NCAA, they've got to figure something out. We, we're hearing more and more coaches, athletics directors, even political figures come out and say, something's got to be done because I said this a few weeks ago on here, I'm not sure that the current state of the NIL is what it was really intended to be. I always imagined it as as an avenue for an athlete to get a sponsorship, to have to do a little bit of work for their for their income they're going to receive. What have you seen Nico do besides he stands on the sidelines? He's had a few autograph signings. I've not seen any commercials. I've not seen any ads. I've not seen anything. And I'm not just singling him out because I know there's more, but I see these kids sign these. I'm signed with Spire. I'm signed with the Vol Club. I'm glad to be back. Please donate. Okay, you go to a few uh, cookouts or tailgates. If you're a basketball player, I've seen Triple J, Vescovi, a couple of the others, Ziggler at some tailgates over there in Circle Park right next to us when we're down there. Okay, I, I get that. That's part of it, an appearance. What else are they doing? I mean, I, I don't know that this whole thing is really wound up the way that we that I thought it would be. I'm sure there's others that thought it would be that way, but this is what happens when there's no guidance in place. Well, and, and that's what I was about to say. Um this is the NCAA's fault because they didn't really have a plan. They just had a bunch of people on their ass, like pay the players, pay the players, like let them transfer, you know, like all this stuff. And finally they're like, yeah, we're going to do it because they thought that it would increase their popularity or their uh, um, approval rating. And what they really should have done was say, Hey, give us, 18 months, two years, whatever they needed to actually look into this from every angle and put in rules and regulations. That way there wouldn't be any, um, there wouldn't be situations like this because if all the rules were laid out at the beginning, everybody would know what to follow. And if you broke it, you broke it. And then they would deal with you then. But all this moving the goalpost bullshit because they're like, because they see something happen. They're like, ah, I don't know about that. And then three months later, there's a rule behind it. And you're trying to, and you're trying to punish somebody 
for doing something six months before the rule was instated, it's a it's a nightmare. It's a it's a shit show. That's the best way I can put it. It's, it's that's all it is. Um, and it's fully because they didn't do their homework and there was zero leadership when they approved all this. And now you have complete. I wouldn't even call it free agency in college football because at least in the NFL you have contracts. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the wild west in college football right now. That's and, the thing. Yeah. That's the thing too. They've got to figure out is even with the transfer, don't even talk about NIL right now. We've got kids transferring two and three and four times in every sport, not just football, but you know, I mentioned a couple weeks ago on here, there's a kid playing at Kentucky. That's on his fourth school. I mean, that's not, it's not how it should be. I'm sorry. It's, You've got in professional sports some guys that go year to year. They're very few and far and in between. But you don't they have to sign something. They don't just they don't just go wherever they want to go. And I, I think that's another aspect they gotta figure out. They got to figure it out. Um, because if not, it's just gonna get worse as it goes along. I think we're I think this um this case that involves Tennessee it may be the tipping point, like you said earlier, of, you know, like this either spurs some change or it just entrenches the NCAA deeper into what they're already doing. Um, but I think I think this is kind of the tipping point of something will happen from this finally. Instead, of, I mean, there's been talk for years, two years now about what can be done. Maybe this spurs that. That's what I'm thinking. I think, oh, which we've said this multiple times in the past but it's as imminent as it has been um the sc i think college football as a whole or at least the big names are going to break off from the ncaa um but essentially it's going to be sec and big 10 and all of the quote-unquote power five schools as we know them are either going to join the sec or the big 10 it's essentially going to be the afc and nfc and you're gonna have your twelve or sixteen or whatever they do playoff, and that's essentially what's gonna be. They're gonna put, in my opinion, they'll probably put Big Ten schools on one side, SEC on the other, and then, bam, uh, and they're gonna have their own commissioners. Like, I don't know, I'm just spitballing, but Nick Saban will probably be the commissioner of the SEC, and whoever else will be the commissioner of the Big Ten. You know, uh, and they're just gonna say piss on the NCAA. Like, you have nothing to do with us. Like, we're going to be our own thing. We're the ones that make the money. Like, what are you here for? And the NCAA will dissolve, at least in the football, at least in the football realm. Yeah, I was going to – you may have answered my quest, my next question to you with that. Um, what, what do you think is the end result of all this from UT's perspective or nationally? I mean, I think you may have just answered that, but – Yeah, um – well, it depends on the outcome, you know. Um, let's say the NCAA does win this. Uh, then, well, let, let me backtrack. I think the end result will be the same no matter what, but it'll be two completely different avenues to get there. This is how I'm seeing it, you know. It's my opinion. Feel free to make it yours if you don't. Move along. Um, <laughs> but let's say the NCAA wins this and says, no, you didn't do this correctly, like blah, 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 whatever. Um, 
then a lot of schools are going to get hurt by this. Um, and that kind of brings me to a point. I haven't brought it up yet. Um, Mr. Baker, what's his first name again? The Charlie. Char oh, Charlie. Uh, doctor? I don't know. Let me look him up. Who cares? Um, <laughs> Charlie Baker, okay, the chairman of the board of the NCAA, okay, uh, now, now let's let's look at this from let, let's look at this from relativity, okay? Uh, the two schools that got investigated over the last week and a half were Tennessee and Florida. Okay, we hate them; they hate us. But what do we both have in common? We both hate Georgia. Charlie Baker is a graduate of the University of Georgia. Let I'm looking. At, I'm looking him up right now. Um, I, I apologize to Mr. Baker. I said the NCAA was full of Democrats earlier. He's actually uh, was the Republican governor of Massachusetts from 2015 to 2023. I don't give a shit where what he did. <laughs> I'm just telling you where he's from. No, that's fine. Uh, he has a degree from the University of Georgia, and the two teams that got targeted for these in, quote unquote NIL violations. For the University of Tennessee and the University of Florida. Now, I'm not accusing anybody of anything, but that just smells rather fishy to me. And if you want to go even further, uh, the whole Michigan ordeal, when Georgia was the front runner to win the national championship this past year, who was looked at as really their only threat outside of the SEC? Sorry, I'm reading. Say that. Ask me that again. Sorry, I'm trying to find out uh, Charlie Baker's background here. Sorry, ask me no, that one more time. What I'm asking you is, besides, uh, so forget all the Tennessee and Florida stuff. Let's let's walk back about four or five months uh, when Georgia was the front runner for the national championship. Outside of SEC play, who was the only team that people deemed were a threat to Georgia? Michigan. Hmm, that's crazy, ain't it? That's crazy. That's crazy, ain't it? So, I don't know. It, Maybe it, I'm missing it, something. It, it, the NCAA is corrupt. We know this. Is it possible there's somebody else involved in this from Georgia? Because this says he graduated from Harvard and Northwestern. Maybe I'm thinking of somebody else. There may be somebody else involved with George, from Georgia. But yeah, this says know. he went to. Uh, he got a. Um, it doesn't matter. It does say he graduated from Harvard and Northwestern. He got an MBA from Northwestern. I may have got a name wrong, but point still stands. Yeah. No, you're right. I mean, look at Michigan and all this. They pretty much openly cheated. Everybody saw it. Everybody knew about it. They win a national title. Their coach bolts for the NFL last week. Uh, uh, Harbaugh goes to the San Diego Chargers. Um do you, I mean, you honestly think anything's going to happen to Michigan and all this? They've already won their title. Who cares? Well, that kind of – we got off topic there. If Tennessee and Virginia win this thing, even if the NCAA wants to do anything with Michigan, Michigan might just lift the middle finger and be like, no. You know? Uh, which I expect I, – I, I fully expect the state of Michigan to – 
join in on this with us, which I'm not 100% sure how I feel about that, just to be honest with you. But, I mean, the, we the more the merrier, I, I said. Oh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, like, it doesn't matter, like, who you like or dislike. This is us versus them. You know, like, hey, you're a Star Wars guy. Think of it that way. The Rebellion versus the Empire, you know? It's kind of, it, it's kind of that way, you know? And and Charlie Baker is Emperor Palpatine. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, I don't um I'm I'm interested to see I, I like the business side of sports. Um I don't want to say this is kind of cool, but it it's interesting to see how all this will play. It'll it will be interesting to see how all this plays out because I think it's going to end up changing the landscape of college athletics. I don't know what that will look like, but um Again, I think maybe this is the tipping point um, for for real substantial change in how NIL works and in the transfer portal um, because all this stuff happened. I mean, you have different states with different laws on the books for this stuff now. The NCAA was so slow to, to react and not forward-thinking and forward-looking enough that the states had to come up with, with rules um, and laws you know, on how, how this stuff should work. So you've got different states all across the union that have different different laws on the books. I found what I was meaning to say. Um, the University of Georgia's president, uh, I'm probably saying this wrong, Jer, Jer, it's J-E-R-E. Uh, well, we'll call him Jer, Jer Moorhead. Uh, he's been on the board of governors for the NCA for the last three years. Um but he is chair of the board of governors. So that's what I was that's what okay. I was. I got you. So, wonder uh, if I wonder if this guy's a Democrat. I wonder if he's a Democrat. <laughs> he looks like a goof. He looks like a Democrat. Good grief. Uh, I'll have to look up. I'll have to look uh, more into his uh, political background because that would explain a lot. Um, so, anyways, um, that was the big news that came out of Knoxville yesterday. Um, Tennessee is. I don't. Is it really? Is it an investigation? I guess it is. Um, I mean, they've. It, it's not a formal. I think it's just discussions that the NCAA has had with the University of Tennessee stating that this is what's going on. So there'll be a lot more to come out of this uh, over the next few weeks and months. Typically with these things, they're, they're slow moving. It could take years to figure this stuff out, especially if it gets into the court system, which it sounds like it's going to. So I think this is something that's going to be hanging over, not just the Tennessee football program, but the athletics department for a while, unfortunately. But I, uh, one last question I had for you, Harbin, how excited do you think Pat Forty was yesterday or on Monday when he got – or whenever he found out about this, how rock hard do you think that guy was? Oh, I mean, it it was electric, um, an electric correction. Uh, but um, I want to know what his quote-unquote source was, you know, because – I feel like he would take a, a text from an unsafe number that could literally be me and be like, Tennessee's under investigation, and he would just roll with it. 
you know. Um, but bigger than that, uh, Don D. Plowman, uh, who I've nicknamed Dirty D and Big D. Um, I would follow that woman into fire. She's been really good for the university. Uh, yeah, she's been great. Awesome. She's been awesome, but this move yesterday, she put up two middle fingers and said, by God, don't you dare bring a knife because this is a gunfight. You know, like, and, she, and like you said earlier in the show, um, she's like, we've done everything by the book. We've complied ever since our past mishaps under under a different regime and we have nothing to hide so here look at all of it you know uh i'll be honest with you i haven't seen big d plow men like this since i accidentally clicked on the wrong video one time <laughs> that was a great text yesterday you sent <laughs> I was sitting in my office when you sent it just laughing loling out loud as Rick Householder would say, um, have you seen, <laughs> I saw this, uh, today, the sports illustrated might be going out of business, but they've put chancellor plowman on the, on the cover of sports illustrated. Or, I don't know if y'all can see that or not, but, uh, I'll try to put it up on the video version of this. Um, <laughs> hey, when a lot, you mess of, a lot around, of great, a lot of great memes have come out. When you mess around, you find out. I know the uh, Skybox text group yesterday was especially fired up, focused, and prepared. Uh, lots of F-bombs. I won't repeat what was said, but lots of F-bombs pertaining to the NCAA, the failing NCAA, as they will now be known here on this podcast. That was the F-bomb, failing. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Um, but, yeah, they um, – I, I just um, – I'm I'm very interested to see where this leads. Not just Tennessee, but college athletics, because I think this is. I hate to say it, it's probably something that was needed because, you know, you and you and I talked about. I can't remember who else was on here about the NIL a couple episodes or weeks ago, whenever that was. I just I don't think it's what it should be, and is, there's got to be some changes made to it. I'm all for NIL. I'm all for people making money, and you know making. You know, like these these guys need to be when NCAA football comes out on PlayStation and Xbox. These guys need to be paid to have their their in their name, image, and likeness on that video game. I played the last you know on PlayStation Two for years with Tennessee, and you had Eric Ainge and Brent Schaefer and all those guys were on there. We all knew who they were, but it was just QB number ten, QB number seven. And I just think that's that's a load of crap that these these schools and all these other institutions and and companies and groups were making millions and millions of dollars off these off these adults. They're not kids, they're adults, and they weren't getting anything out of it. So I think this will be this will be a good change and um we'll see what happens. Hopefully it goes in the favor of the Vols. Not to mention the handful of athletes that made it on the cover of a game yeah yeah so, you know in retrospect like denard robinson should get paid so much money because it was the last game that they made and every time you think of this game you think of denard robinson 
He wasn't even in NCAA 14. That was the funniest part. That's right. I forgot he was on. I forgot he was on the cover of that. Because that's how they used to do it. They waited until after they were no. Well, they were gone. And then they and then they put them in a college uniform on the cover. I'm sure they got something for being on those covers after because they're they're not they're not in school anymore at that point. So they didn't get enough. I mean, they didn't get enough. No, no. And I'll be interested to see how much they do get for being in the game. Well, the the rumor is that every single player is getting a flat rate of five hundred dollars, and if that's the truth, that's ridiculous. I'd like to know how many college football players there are um, and do the math on that. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it's a decent amount of money, but like it's not near what it should be. Per player, it's not. I mean, overall, it is a lot of money, but yeah, you're right. I mean, if you're a third string running back for Kent State, I mean, yeah, we'll slide you 250. <laughs> you know, like, but I mean, with these other cats, like you got to, you got to cut them a check. All right, transitioning from the NCAA, the failing NCAA investigation into the Tennessee Volunteers into Tennessee basketball. Um, so we'll we didn't record on Sunday, uh, so we'll go back and look at the Vandy game before we get into the South Carolina game. So very quickly, Tennessee uh, only played one game last week. And it was at Vanderbilt on Saturday night. Tennessee wins 75-62. Comes up a half point short of covering. Or one point short, I guess. Um, Dalton Connect led the way once again, becoming a, a theme of this team. 32 points. Six boards, three assists. Adu with another solid outing. Nine points, ten rebounds, two blocks. Uh, Jordan Ganey, uh <laughs> at least I thought, you know, he put two games in a row together and, and the second game in a row that he played pretty well on the offensive end and hit some shots was the Vandy game with 10 points, um, hit a couple threes. So um, any quick thoughts on this game? Harbin, Tennessee was uh, trailed slightly in the first half and came out in the second half and I felt like eh, dominated maybe too, too big of a word, but did what they needed to do and put Vandy away and, um, you know, got a, a win, a 13-point win on the road in a, in a venue that they historically do not play very well in. So any any thoughts on that Vandy game last Saturday night? Um, That was a good win. Um, as much as people don't want to admit it because Vandy's bad, uh. Because in the six games previous to that game, while we are a top 10 AP-ranked team, we were 1-5 in five in the previous six, and the one that we won was in overtime. Really? I didn't realize that. That's crazy. Yeah, they said it on the broadcast. Um, and the one that we won was when Bowden had that big-time alley-oop. And, uh, Grant as in 20, as 2019. Yes. Uh, so, considering all that, you get out of there, you win by 13, uh, which first half was rough. You know, they, we had a five-point deficit at halftime. I think at one point we were down eight or nine in the first half. Um, that was big, and then we won the second half by 18. So, um, talent prevailed. Uh, it's a team effort, you know. So, here in two minutes, we'll talk about that. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, um, no, you're man, right. Don't connect. 32 points on 13 of 21 shooting. 
Dude's elite. Like, dude's incredible. He is. He is elite. Uh, Vescovi had a pretty good game. Uh, 12 points, five rebounds. Like you said, Ganey played all right off the bench. Um, yeah, it was kind of just the Dalton connection on the second half from what I remember. I worked during it, but we had it on with the sound, so I, I knew what was going on. Um, that's essentially – Yeah, my, he, my... he he did what a player like of, of his caliber is supposed to do. He took over, and that's what – I think this, you know, since – uh, Williams and Schofield, and that's what this program is, has lacked the last few years is somebody that will that we can give the ball to and they can take over and do what they're supposed to do. And we'll get I'll get into this more in a minute. Um, I mean, he can still score 32 and others still do stuff. And that's what happened against Vanderbilt. That's what happened against Alabama. There was a couple others did some stuff on their end. Um, obviously didn't happen against South Carolina, which we'll get into, but I mean, he he basically he put the team on his back and and carried him to a victory. I mean, there was others, you know, Adu uh, was was doing work on the glass down low. He didn't score a lot of points, but he almost one point away from a double double again. He's uh, coming into the South Carolina game. I don't know where he stands afterwards, but he was averaging fifteen and, and ten in SEC play, which is which is pretty good. So. Uh, I thought solid win for Tennessee on the road, like you said, in a place they historically don't play very well. It's a tough place to play. The sight lines are weird. The the vibe in that place is weird. I've never been there, but I've heard people talk about it that have been there. It's a it's an odd place to play a basketball game. But I thought a good win for Tennessee, and um, they improved to five and one, fifteen and four overall. And then we come to last night's game, Harbin against the Cox in Thompson Bowling Arena. Um, I did not, just full disclosure, I did not get to watch this game <clears throat> live last night. I was announcing the uh, Carter Hornets hosting South Doyle game, so I did not get to watch it. Um, so, real quick before you get going, since you didn't get to watch the game, I'm going to throw out some key stats at you. Okay, go ahead. Knowing the outcome, some team stats. I'm going to throw out some team stats at you. Um, total turnovers in the game. Uh, South Carolina had 10 turnovers. Tennessee had six. Okay. Pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They had fairly clean game. Um, let's see here. Total fouls in the game. South Carolina, 18. Tennessee, 16. Okay. okay. Points in the paint. Tennessee, 28. Which isn't very high. Fair. Uh, <laughs> South Carolina, 18. Fast break points, 8 to 4. Um, let's see here. And then, now I'm going to give you a few more stats. Uh, total rebounds in the game. Well, we'll do offensive rebounds first. Uh, Tennessee and South Carolina tied at 9-9. Nine nine. Uh, defensive rebounds, South Carolina had the edge 31-28, if you could do math. Total rebounds, 40-37 South Carolina. Okay. So, they got three more rebounds than us. That's not a crazy amount. Uh, assist 
uh, 15 to 11 in favor of South Carolina. Um, three pointers. Uh, South Carolina hit 10. Uh, Tennessee hit five. And now free throws. Uh, South Carolina hit 15 of 18. Tennessee hit 12 of 20. And we lost by four. And we lost by four. <laughs> All right, now let's break it down on the Tennessee side for player output. Keep in mind, I love these guys. Leading the charge is Dalton Connect. You have 31 points on 11 of 24 shooting. Three of eight from the three-point line. Uh, Tennessee made five as a team, by the way. Uh, Santiago Vescovi made the other two. Um, let's see here. The tied for second on points for the Tennessee Volunteers was Jonas Adu and Toby Awaka. Spoiler alert, they didn't have 17 apiece. Uh, they had six. Six. Oh, wait, no, I, I apologize. I skipped over Vescovy. Vescovy had 10. I was about points. to say, Vescovy had 10. My apologies. Vescovy had 10. Uh, and then after that, you had Adu and Walk at six. And then you had uh, JP Estrella in four minutes. Got you two points, two rebounds, and an assist. Uh, and in 30 and 32 minutes, respectively, Josiah Jordan James had three point or two points, and Zakai Ziegler had two points, which uh, on Ziegler's end were free throws. Did not make a field goal. Uh, Josiah Meshack played only 15 minutes and didn't get up a shot. Hmm. Seems interesting. Uh, Jordan Ganey played 23 minutes. Uh, jacked up three threes. Uh, spoiler alert, didn't make any of them. Uh, just interesting game, especially at home, you know, um, which Nice and I have argued the last 20 hours or so. Um, this is, this was, this was a trap game. You know, uh, and, and Nice agrees with me in that aspect. We we agreed on the definition of a trap game, which I'm not going to get into that. Um, but your thir your 13-point favorites at home, um, in my opinion, I think, uh, I think a lot of people thought this was going to be similar to the Ole Miss game. Like a team with a good record that hadn't really played a ton of teams, and they get brought back to earth by a legit contender. Uh, and shots didn't fall for us, and we got exposed a little bit. And I think, and I don't think we were looking ahead to Kentucky. I think that bit kind of gets wore out a little bit. Like this team knows that South Carolina is pretty good. Personal opinion. Um, but even Rick Barnes said it after the game. He said at some points, like especially in the second half, like. We didn't know what to do, so we just stood around and waited for Dalton to bail us out. And that's not good. Because there's going to be games where Dalton Connect does not score 32 points. Spoiler alert. 
it's going to happen. Gonna, it's going to happen. There's going to be games where he scores eight to ten, and somebody's going to have to step the hell up for us to win a ball game. And if you're the number five team in the country, you've got to have one of those guys. And I can't 100% like in my chest say that currently on January 31st of 2024 that we have one of those guys outside of Dalton Connect. We do every once in a while. Like, Every once in a while, Triple J will step up. Every once in a while, it'll be Ziggler. Every once in a while, it'll be Ada. But on a not-in, not-out basis that you can on connect to score 25-plus, there's not really a guy that I can point to. It's probably Adu, but he's subject to get bullied by somebody that's got more muscle mass than him. I don't, there's not anybody on the team that I'm confident that I'm like, they can score – they will score 14 points tonight, and they'll help us out. I keep thinking Ziggler might be that player, but he had a dud two points last night. I mean, he was nowhere to be found. You can't. You can't think if he just think if he just scores eight points last night. Hell, just give me five. You just give him five. Give me five. <laughs> you know, there and I, you you took a lot of the I had and I I'll post it on 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 the video version, but um, I had some notes here. I thought, you know. And and full disclosure, I I did go back and watch the first half. I did not get to watch it live. I was following along best I could, you know, the score and what was going on. I did not get to watch, you know, the game live. But went back and watched the first half, and I was like, you know what? I've seen all I need to see. I know I know what happened in the second half, so I'm not going to sit here and torture myself. But um, a couple points I wrote down was the. And it's probably not a huge deal, but I think the the minus three rebounding margin. Um, I didn't get to do a. I don't know what South Carolina's rebounding margin was coming into the game, but Tennessee's plus six. You know, right around plus six boards a game. So that was a you know nine rebound uh, turnaround uh, for this team. A difference in rebounds. Uh, the twelve of twenty free throws is a little concerning because they shot. Uh, pretty poorly, I think fourteen to twenty-two against Vandy on Saturday night, um, and they turned around and did it again at home against South Carolina. Five of twenty-one from three-point range. Tennessee's averaging nine three-pointers a game, um, and I'll talk about more about that in a moment. Um, I, I don't know where they rank in that category now, but coming into the game, they ranked. 121st out of 300 and something teams in America. So above the top half or uh, in the top half of that category. But um, just – I don't know what it was. They they couldn't make shots. They could not score. They missed a ton. Rick Barnes said it after the game. You know, we didn't deserve to win. We missed probably 10 layups and, and eight free throws. So do the math. I mean, say you, say you make five layups. That's 10 points. So that's 69 points. Nice. And say you make say you make three more free throws. That's three more points. That's 13. Let's just say that's 13 points out on the court cuz rarely going to go 20 for 20 from the field from the free throw line. So say they make 15 out of 20 in five of those 10 layups. Tennessee wins by double digits. 
They win by with, double digits if they do what they're supposed to do. Yeah, with a one man band. Exactly, and that and with shooting poorly from from three point range, um, and with getting out rebounded. So, um, I was listening to another podcast that they made a good point. Even with all of that going on, going into the last minute, Tennessee still had an opportunity to win the game, and um, I don't question these guys. Uh, some will question their heart. Some will question their want to. I don't question that. I saw all I needed to see out of them after the game last night. I believe it was Connect, Triple J, uh, Mayshack, and a couple others. I, I don't remember who, but they were out in the court. They were out at Thompson Bowling Arena shooting after the game. And that that's that may not sound like much to some people, but – most people after a game you've played for two hours, especially starters, the last thing you want to do is go back out and and practice. And those guys took it upon themselves with no coaching to go do that. So I think these guys want to win. They want to to bring home wins here to, to the to the fan base, to the school. And ultimately the goal is to bring home some banners and some trophies. And I think that's what they want to do. But um I think the thing that's that was disappointing to me last night. If you'd have told me we lost to South Carolina 63-59 at Colonial Life Center, I probably wouldn't have been that surprised because of the way college basketball teams play on the road this year, especially. But it being at Thompson Bowling Arena, that's what you know, you're in your in the friendly confines of TBA and you can't shoot any better than that. And again, I don't think it's a want to thing. I don't think it's a hard thing. I say this quite a bit. Basketball is a simple sport. You got to put the ball in the basket. And Tennessee just couldn't do that last night. Now, I think there were some things on that I saw in the first half on the defensive end that bothered me a little bit because I saw a little bit of it at Vandy. They they were gambling more than I saw them or I'm, I'm used to them gambling um, on, on passes and and trying to intercept passes and deflect balls, and it cost them. And I don't think they did a very good job of defending the three-point line against South Carolina. They had way too many open looks from the perimeter. So that's something they got to look at. I don't think we should just sit here and, and talk about the offense. I mean, it was poor. But, and Tennessee only gave up 63 to South Carolina. So you think – you look at it on the outside, like, well, that's pretty good defensive effort. But there was some things that cost them down the stretch defensively from from highlights I've seen uh, on the defensive end. But it boils down to they got to be better offensively. I was reading where they went from sometime in the 17-minute mark to around the three-minute mark in the second half and made one field goal. In 14, in 14 minutes, they made one field goal. You cannot do that. I don't care who's out on the court. Connect, Connect can't allow that to happen. I'm sorry, he can't with a player his caliber. But my question is, is where's our where's our super seniors at? Where is I know Vescovy had 10, but he's kind of been MIA. But Triple J is the one who's been MIA. I sent you all this earlier today, but I went back and pulled just his offensive stats during SEC play, which is seven games. He is nine for 38 from the field, 23.7%, and is averaging three points per game. Triple J, a five-star recruit who is technically now a walk-on and he's playing like one, like you said, 
he is averaging three points in SEC play, nine of 38 from the field. And, and you go back and look, that's five, a little over five shots a game. And at different points in the past two or three games, he's not even looking to shoot. I don't know if – is he hurt? Have they told him facilitate, connect, and Ziggler and, and others? I don't know. I'm not in there to know that. But something's changed with him. When the calendar flipped to 24, he's not been the same player. I don't – again, I don't want to speculate – he doesn't look like he's injured, but he is playing like a totally different basketball player right now. I don't, I can't put my finger on it, Harvin. I mean, I'm not going to pretend like I know what's going on within the program, like day to day basis. I mean, there's some people out there that do, but just from what I've seen, and hell, this is his fifth year or so. Like, we have a large sample size with this cat, you know. Um, when he gets into these lulls, I think it's – he gets timid. You know, I don't want to use that word. That's what it feels like. It feels like he gets timid a little bit, you know. Like, I don't want to say afraid to screw up, but I don't know. It's like It's like when he's rolling, he's aggressive. You know, like, and I love when he when uh when he gets a guard or a smaller forward on him and he takes him in the post. I think that's his bread and butter, or at least in my eyes, that's what it's been while he's been here. Um, but we haven't seen any of that since, quite frankly, Thanksgiving time. You know, uh, I remember earlier in the year, which I saw a funny Twitter exchange. Somebody was uh, defending Triple J starting over Connect, um, which that's aged like milk. <laughs> but, uh, um, but back then, he was playing that good. You know, like he played a he, – he was probably our first or second best player in the, in the Maui, you know. Um, but I don't know. I mean, it's – I don't know if it's psychological. I don't know if it's physical. Uh, sociological, hell, I don't know. Um, it's interesting, though. And if we are going to make any run whatsoever and not be a round of 32 exit like we all have in the back of our head, he's got to play better than three points a game. I promise you that. You know, we can make the walk-on jokes because he technically is one. But he's a leader and a captain. You know, like, you, you've got to get your shit together. If if we're – if we have any sort of thought of making any type of run. Uh, but that goes for Viscovi, too. Yeah. You know? Um, like, I, I'm not – like, we're just not going to dog only Triple J here. Um Hell, Viscovi scored 12 points against Vanderbilt, and we're all like, like, oh, he's back. Hell, it's 12 points in 40 minutes, bud. You know, like, we're used to a lot more from him. And I understand a lot of the shots that he would normally take are getting taken up by Connect. Mm -hmm. Fully with that. That's fine. But I would like to see in SEC play Viscovi start to hover around, like, the, the somewhere between 12 and 15. I think if those two 
between them get somewhere between 8, 10, 12, 14 every night. And then Ganey chips in an 8 to 10. And Ziggler gets his 15 or whatever it may be. This team is 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 one of the best in the country. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go down with the ship. I'm pro. I, I will. I was telling somebody earlier today, I will go down with this team because I really believe that they have what it takes to make a deep run in March. And others around uh, the country believe that as well. And that's why I'm not freaking out about last night. You know, there there's some out there that will. This isn't college football, um, so we shouldn't. But um, they do have some things they need to clean up. They can't. You know, if they want to do what they want to – if they want to achieve what they want to achieve, Triple J has to be better. Vescovy has to be better. Those two have to be better. Um, there's just no ifs, ands, or buts about it. They have to be better. Um, so, excuse me. I don't want to go too too long on the South Carolina game because we got other things to discuss. But I wanted to talk about this last week. Um and we didn't or on Sunday we didn't record, but I call this connect the dots, Harbin. And uh I basically went back and looked and was comparing Tennessee's offensive output last year to this year. So very quickly, Ken Palm last season, Tennessee had a an adjusted offensive rating of 111.3, which was 64th in the country this year. Now, this is pr prior to South Carolina. I haven't had a chance to go back and look at numbers today. Um, I do know that we dropped to number 28, but leading into this game, we were number 18 in adjusted offensive efficiency. Last season, Tennessee adjusted defensively. Adjusted defense was number one in the country. This year, we're number two. That stayed the same last night or after last night's game. Points per game last year. Here's where you start to see a difference. Points per game last year, Tennessee was at 70.8. Prior to the South Carolina game, Tennessee was at 79.5. That's a jump from number 175 in the country to 43. So pretty good. Um, Three-point percentage. Last season, Tennessee ranked number 231 at 32.9%. This year, prior to South Carolina, which I'm sure this dropped, 34.1%, which ranks 161 in the country. So quite a quite a significant increase there. Three-point field goals made per game. This is something we talked about offseason. I talked about it on the Hoops Southbound podcast when I've been on there. Three-point field goals made per game. Tennessee last year, 7.7 .7 per game. That ranked 121st in the country. I thought with Dalton Connect coming in that he might be able to change that game, and I think he has, obviously. Tennessee's up to 8.6 per game prior to uh, the South Carolina game, which ranks 59th in the country. So – I don't think it's a coincidence that our offensive numbers are better with Dalton Connect in here. We talked about that in the offseason. Could he be could he be the player that helps improve Tennessee's offense? Because we all felt like Tennessee's offense was holding this team back from making that leap to the next step that this program wants to go to. Here's my issue. Um which obviously Dalton Connect improves our offense. I mean, um, we on the offensive end kind of live and die by the three. When we when we're consistently and historically just not very good at it. 
uh, which every year for the last, I think, five years, uh, if you want to research that, you can. You don't have to. Uh, but for the last five years, I believe, we've been ranked inside top five on Ken Palm for total defense. Yeah. Uh, the only year we were not was was the 2019-20 uh, season, the Williams Schofield Bowden that team. We were uh we were at it was flip-flop. We were actually third in adjusted offense and 42nd in adjusted defense. Total flip total flop from where we are now. Okay, so the last 4 years we've been inside the top 5 in defense. Uh and we've been where are we at in total offense this year, what'd you say? Uh, going into South Carolina, we were at 18, and now we're at 28. Okay. Uh, Last year, we ended up uh, in the 60s after the season was over. It was somewhere in the mid-60s. Right. So, historically, a team that is just not elite, I we're, we're average at getting the ball in the basket, I would say. Um, especially for aspirations that we have. Uh, hell, it might be below average if you kind of look at it from that angle. Um, we can stop people from scoring. Uh, we struggle sometimes getting the ball in the basket. Um, it's just odd to me that we we go as far as the three ball can take us, it feels like sometimes. You know? Um I mean, this year we have a bona fide guy that can get to the rim whenever he wants. So uh, na nationally, so, he, um, so okay. I, 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 and I don't. This these numbers kind of surprise me a little bit because I didn't think we shot as many. But I hear you and and Big Montana say we live and die by the three. Where do you think we rank nationally? The past I haven't looked past this past three seasons in three point attempts per game. This season, this season, last season, and the season before that. Just a wild guess. Because we're higher than I thought we were. I'll just say that. I like closer to number one, you're saying? We're like not we're really close. To... We're not really close to number one, oh, but, but yes. We're closer we're to number one than you thought. We're closer uh, to the top than I thought because I just don't feel like we shoot as many as some let on. Off the top I'm, of my head, I'm, I'm wrong. <laughs> Which this also includes like no names. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with fortieth in the country. So in twenty one twenty two, Eastern Carolina led the nation with thirty two and a half threes attempted per game. Tennessee ranked where'd they go? Eighty first, twenty four three pointers attempted per game. That was two years ago. Um last season. We were not a good three-point shooting team. Tennessee ranked 90th in the country, 23 a game. So, an increase of one three-pointer per game. This season, Tennessee has drastically increased their three-point attempts. They're up to 25 per game. So, a, a overall increase of two three-pointers attempted a game. So, I, I was a little surprised. I did not realize we, on average, uh -huh. shoot that many three-pointers a game. But also, we'd have to do a lot of math on this, and obviously we're not going to do it tonight, and I probably won't ever do it. But I would also like to look at the numbers of total field goals taken per game of all the teams above us or around us. Like, like look at the ratio of total shots to three-point shots. You know, because the last three years, we've kind of played, like, 
half-court offense, fairly slow, you know, like I would venture to guess that at least two-thirds of those teams in front of us all those years were run and gun, like seven seconds or less. I, I mean, obviously not that, but like I, I feel like they shoot the ball a lot quicker than we do. Uh, yeah. I, um, I'll have to look into that, yeah. This might be something I'll look into, but uh, I would like to to rank like our – Total shots, the three-point shot ratio, and I would assume that we would jump heavily up that list. Just that, that That's my opinion. Um, it might be something I look into and we record next week. I might come back to that and say I was wrong or or be like – Why don't you do a little research on that, and we'll we'll, we'll, dig, we'll dig deeper into that. Um, real, real quickly, before we have to get out of here, Harbin um, – Tennessee travels to Rupp Arena this Saturday. Wildcats are on the ropes right now as we're recording against Florida in overtime at Rupp Arena. Um, so both teams <laughs> may be limping into this game Saturday. We'll see how that one finishes up. But uh, I've got, I got uh, some info on the screen. But for those that are just listening, Kentucky, uh, prior to the conclusion of this Florida game, they're 15-4, and 5-2 and two in the conference uh, net ranking of 23, Ken Palm ranking of 20, um, offensive rating of nine, defensive rating of 70. That's where they're kind of weak, um, on, on in their aspect, uh, of their, of their game. But, um, what's your thoughts? Can Tennessee go up there, ride the ship, and, and bring home a W from Rupp Arena? They, they fared fairly well under Rick Barnes in that building. Can they do it again? Uh, we one million percent can, you know. But will but will we? That that's way two different questions. What do you think the line will be in that game? Uh, Kentucky will be favored. Um, Last uh, I looked, Tennessee BPI was favored to win sixty percent. So I don't know what that means, but uh, the line in the game it won't be a lot. Um, I'll give you a range because line tells you who's going to win. Uh, it'll be between one and a half. It'll be between like one and a half and four. Uh, and if it's three and a half or four, uh, that means Kentucky's going to win. Or at least the books think they're going to win. Mm -hmm. um, I expect it to be two and a half, three. Um you think a one possession game? Yeah, I mean, I mean, we're good. They're good. Like it's a very highly anticipated game. We kind of, we kind of shit the bed, you know, going into the matchup. Kind of, kind of put a blunder on it just a hair. But I mean, this is two of the top three teams in the SEC going at it, and it's a rivalry game, like. A ton of eyes are going to be on it. Um, and this game always goes either way. Um, we always split with them. So, if we win this game, we'll lose at home. <laughs> if we if we, if we get <laughs> dog-locked, we'll beat them at home. I mean, I've, I've been I've been saying since, I think, the start of SEC play, this was one that I had penciled in as a loss for Tennessee just because it's on the road and how teams are playing on the road this year. And this team, this Kentucky team, seems like it plays better at home than it does on the road. Obviously not tonight against Florida. 
But um, but yeah, I think I had this as a loss. I'll be interested to see the line, but like I said, the BPI has Tennessee winning, but we'll see. I can promise you one thing. If Jonas Adu, uh Ziggler and Triple J combine for ten points, we're gonna get blown out of the damn water. I can promise you that. If they go for six, two and two again, we're done for. Um you can't just roll in expecting the great white hope to drop 40 and they, and he just carry you to win. Um, you, you've got to get, I would love to see a triple J like 15, 16 point game. I'd love to see Ziegler get like 12 and six, you know, um, cause we're going to need it. Uh, and I, I think, I think yeah. on top of that, like, even if you do get those guys, I really do think the X factor is how Jonas Adu plays. I really do. Because in our losses, he's played bad. In our wins, he's played great. You know, that's kind of – I mean, you can follow the win and loss. There might be one outlier, but for the most part, that's the barometer for this team. He's a key, uh, play- he's a key player for this team. I've said it for a while. He is. If Adu has 15 and 10 like he was averaging before the South Carolina game in SEC play, I think we beat him. Unless everybody else just absolutely shits a bed. Uh, but if he goes out there and he has five points, four rebounds, and we have to play a walk-up for 20 minutes, we're going to get beat. You know, I mean, that that's kind of all it comes down to. Um, which I said this a couple weeks ago, but I would – I really want to swap Estrella and Iwaka's minutes. But that's neither here nor there on this discussion. Um, if my life is on the line, I say we lose on Saturday, just to be 100% honest with you. Um, I I think it's a quick turnaround for us to figure out scoring 59 points at home when one of your players at 31 of that. Um. But I hope they prove me wrong. I hope yeah. we score eighty and beat them by twelve. Good, good thing about the, the this Tennessee team is they're they're veteran laden. They've had a lot of guys that have been through this before, so hopefully that helps them. But looks like Kentucky's going down, Harbin. So it will be a matchup of two teams that lost a game coming in. I actually kind of like that though because it makes that Florida win Tennessee has look even better. Tennessee right now, I, I, I sent somebody this earlier today, Tennessee has eight top 100 wins right now. And you could say they have nine if you count that exhibition game against Michigan State, but we're not going to count that. So, anyways, uh, Tennessee-Kentucky Saturday night, 8.30, Rupp Arena. All eyes will be on Lexington. And uh, hopefully Tennessee wins. Maybe I'll get Gavin on next week. We'll see. He always comes back when Tennessee beats Kentucky. We'll see. But – um that's this week's show uh we did an emergency pod here on wednesday night to discuss the failing ncaa and uh the tennessee loss against south carolina and the win against vandy Uh, we'll hopefully be back this sunday night to record we'll have a recap of the kentucky game and look ahead to tennessee's games next week i don't know who they play i haven't bothered to look but um we'll we'll keep on keeping on here as the season trucks along Quest to get to Arizona, Harbin. God, I hope the Vols can find a way to get me there to the Final Four. But one game at a time. One game at a time. I mean, you can probably go to the Waste Management. It's in Phoenix. Yeah, but it's it's next weekend, so 
I'm not going to I'm, that. If you want to go to Arizona that bad, I would. No, I, I don't. I, I honestly don't. Um, okay. All right. Well, appreciate everybody listening. Shout out to the Nashville listeners, uh, Laura and the ladies, wherever she works, uh, listeners of the show. Shout out to you all. They uh, love it every week when we get a new episode out. So appreciate all y'all listening out there. Appreciate everybody the hundreds and hundreds around the world that listen to the Section YY8 podcast. Remember, you can get us anywhere you get your podcast. We're also on the YouTube and social media at Section YY8. For Harbin, I'm Negative Niece. We'll see you guys next week on the Section YY8 podcast. Once I had